Hey, I'm Andy. I'm Andy. And you're listening to the HMO Podcast. Over 10 years ago, I set myself the challenge of building my own property portfolio. And what began as a short-term investment plan soon became a long-term commitment to change the way young people live together. I've now built several successful businesses. I've raised millions of pounds of investment and I've managed thousands of tenants. Join me and some very special guests to discover the tips, tricks and hacks, the ups and the downs, the best practice and everything else you need to know to start, scale and systemize your very own HMO portfolio. Now. It's over 13 years since I bought my first HMO, and if I'm honest, I didn't know what on earth I was doing when I bought that property, but I learned over the years, some of it I learned the easy way, and some of it I've had to learn the hard way. Every year, I'm reminded of the importance of one thing, though, and that is the value of inspecting my properties, or as I prefer to call it, doing health checks on my properties. Today, what I want to talk to you about is the importance of property health checks, what you should be doing, and how you can do this to maximize your profits over the long term. If you're investing in HMOs, then you absolutely need to make sure that you're doing this and you're doing it right. So stick around and please enjoy today's episode of the HMO Podcast. guys, it's Andy here. We're going to be getting back to the podcast in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you very quickly about the HMO Roadmap. Now, if you're serious about replacing your income, or perhaps you've already got a HMO portfolio that you want to scale up, then the HMO Roadmap really is your one-stop shop. Inside the Roadmap, you'll find a full 60-lesson course delivered by me, teaching you how to find more deals, how to fund more deals and raise private finance, how to refurbish great properties, how to fill them with great tenants that stay for longer, and how to manage your properties and tenants for the future. We've also got guest workshops added every single month. We've got new videos added every single week about all sorts of topics. We've got downloadable resources, cheat sheets and swipe files to help you. We've got case studies from guests and community members who are doing incredible projects that you can learn from. And we've also built an application just for you that allows you to appraise and evaluate your deals, stack them side by side and track the key metrics that are most important to you. To find out more, head to the hmoroadmap.co.uk now and come and join our incredible community of HMO property investors. Okay, welcome back. So today we're going to talk about property health checks. That's right, I've changed the name. We used to call them inspections, but we now call them property health checks. And you know what? I actually think that property health checks is a bit more encompassing. It's actually a better reflection on what we're actually trying to do. I think the word inspection sort of conjures up these images of, sort of peeking into tenants' rooms and basically snooping on what our tenants are doing. And actually, that's not what we're doing. Sometimes it's useful to get an insight as to what your tenants are doing or aren't doing, but actually doing health checks, getting into your properties and really seeing what's going on is much more important than just keeping an eye on your tenants. Today, I want to talk to you about what property health checks are. I want to talk to you about why they're so important, and I want to talk to you about what you can actually be doing to perform health checks on your own properties. I think if you get this right, if you really get into this and get into a routine regularly, checking on your properties, keeping them in good health, you'll definitely maximise what you can get out of them. When it comes to profits, when it comes to making money, and let's face it, this is why we're doing this, this is one of the really important areas because if you let this go, if your property gets unhealthy, it can start to cost you a huge amount. 
Now, I've got a team who look after my portfolio. I keep an eye on everything. I sort of manage and steer my team. But I do honestly get involved sometimes and get into some of the properties. I like to see what's going on. I like to feel what's going on. So I actually do still take part in the health checks in our properties because we've got a lot to do as well. And at certain times of the year, it can get quite busy. I tend to take some of the properties and some of my other team take some of the other properties. And we just make sure that we keep in a regular routine of actually getting into the properties and checking up on them. Now, what I would suggest to you is that you actually set yourself up with something like a form, an online form to do these, because there's quite a few things that you'll need to think about. And it's dead easy to get to one of your properties, see something, be distracted, or the weather's bad, or the tenants are there and they're talking to you. And actually, you forget to do half of what you want to do. And that's a real pain. It's really frustrating. You get back to the office or you get back home and you realize, oh, I didn't check X, Y, and Z. And then lo and behold, a few weeks later, you're finding that tenants are telling you that you've got some problems with a couple of issues that you could have spotted. So get yourself a pad and pen together, because this is going to be an episode where you want to take some notes and then you want to go and build yourself either a form or a template. And if you keep an eye in the roadmap, we will be bringing this very, very soon. So you can go and actually download it directly from the HMO roadmap. But at the minute, as I record this, it's not there just yet. But like I said, get yourself a pad and a pen, because I've got some good ideas that I think will really help you keep on top of your properties. Now, first and foremost, how often should we be doing health checks on our properties? Well, my advice would be as an absolute minimum, you're there every quarter. You're doing a health check every quarter, every three months. But ideally and preferably, get there every month. Get to your properties and do a health check every single month. Now, I know that sounds like it could be quite a lot of work. But honestly, if you've got a small portfolio, this will be a piece of cake. If you've got a mid-size to a large portfolio, yes, it's definitely going to take a little bit more time and effort to engineer. But I promise you, if you do get into the routine of doing them regularly, you'll find that when you are going to the properties, you're spending much less time there because there are so few problems that you actually have to identify and then deal with. And this is such, such, such a valuable piece just for that reason. So as an absolute minimum, quarterly, but preferably every single month. Now, I appreciate that that sounds like it could be quite a lot of work. We got into this because we didn't want to be working. We wanted that passive income, that elusive passive income. But trust me, this is actually going to give you more of your time back. So why should we be doing property health checks? Well, first and foremost, getting into your properties and doing it regularly will actually save you time in the long run. You'll actually find that you can identify things. It'll stop them getting worse. And that'll mean you save a lot of time having to deal with it in retrospect. And of course, it's going to save you a lot of money because those problems can become much, much worse. You'll also find that your tenants are happier. Happy tenants mean happy landlords. It's really that simple. If your tenants are happy with you and the condition of the property, they're going to stay. They're more likely to stay and stay for longer. They're more likely to be a bit more tolerant if you have to put the rent up. Like for many of us, over the last six months, we have had to do. So this is another really good reason just to make sure that you are keeping your tenants really, really happy. You also have some obligations from a health and safety point of view. Let's be honest. Now, you can get in, you can see things before they actually could become a problem. As a quick example, how often do we see bikes being stored in the hallway, right? outside the front door, right inside the front door rather. Just going in as a landlord saying, guys, look, I get it, but this can't continue. We need to use the bike storage outside. Really simple, really quick and easy. And actually, if God forbid the worst happened, that could save a life. You've also got a couple more obligations. One of them is going to be from your insurance provider. Your insurance provider, if you look in the small print, is going to insist that you are doing inspections. Now, it may not necessarily say that you need to do them every month, but it'll certainly say that you need to be doing inspections or 
property health checks. And as part of your license conditions, as part of being a property manager, if you're self-managing, then you are going to have to buy some T's and C's when it comes to actually getting in your properties and checking on the general state and condition. So we've established that doing property health checks could save us a lot of time and a lot of money. We've established that doing property health checks will actually make sure that we're upholding some of our very important obligations. <laughs> so now that we've established all of that, let's talk about what we actually need to be doing. Well, I want to break this down into three areas for you. I think there are some external checks we should be doing. I think there are some internal checks that we should be doing. And I think there are some general checks that certainly as HMO landlords, we need to be doing. So let's start with those external checks. I've got seven different things for you. The first one is the roof. When I'm going to my properties, I want to get as best as possible a look on the roof. I want to see what the general condition is, the pitched roof, any flat roofs. I'm looking at ridge tiles. I'm looking for slip tiles. I'm looking at the flashing. Is there anything that looks like it needs some attention? Roofs are one of those things that we often wait until we've got a problem and that problem can be really expensive. It never ceases to amaze me how much water can come through the smallest failure in a roof or flashing. It really is kind of scary. Last year, you might remember, we had a huge problem at one of our properties. We had a few leaks in the roof and we had a lot of bad weather and it came through so fast and so hard in the end, it took a ceiling out in a bedroom. And frustratingly, we had actually identified that there were some issues up there. And we'd sent roofers on to fix those issues. And what seemingly happened was we sent roofers up. They didn't quite do what they were supposed to do. Or they maybe did some further damage by stepping on tiles. We'll never quite know. But in the end, we ended up re-roofing the whole roof, which cost about £9,000. That's an expensive problem. And that's before I even tell you what it cost internally and what it cost me to put some tenants into hotels temporarily. I don't even want to go there. But as you can imagine, that's a very, very, very expensive problem. And it probably could have been avoided. Now, I don't want you to get up on the roofs yourself. I don't want you putting ladders up and climbing onto roofs. Head to the back of the garden, go across the road, try and get a line of sight on the roof. Even better, if you can get hold of a drone or if you've got a drone, get the drone up, get some snaps and just get back to the office or get back home and check them out and have a look. It's just a really good way of having a quick look at what the roof is like. The second thing I think we should be checking when we're doing external property health checks is the chimney stack. These are one of the areas. In fact, I've just had this where we had a bit of an issue. Fortunately, it was only very, very minor, but flashing around the chimney, sometimes the flaunt it around the chimney can be an issue. Sometimes the pointing around the chimney can be an issue. That can all let water in. So just make sure at the same time you're having a look at the condition of the roofs, you're having a look at the chimney stack as well. The third thing, guttering and downpipes. How often do we just glance and don't really pay attention to where water is actually running? This is really, really important. Damaged guttering can actually be one of the ways that damp can find its way into our property very, very quickly. That can land maybe on a flat roof beneath. We've got some bay windows on downstairs in some of our properties and leaks above in the guttering above can mean that water just hammers down onto a flat roof. That can very quickly damage the flat roof and all of a sudden we've got water coming into a flat roof. It could cause damp, sitting water. It's so, so important. So make sure that you're checking your guttering. Now, what this means is that ideally you want to see what it actually is functioning like when it's wet. So occasionally 
do make sure you're doing some of your property health checks in bad weather. I know that that's not ideal, but honestly, you'll get a much better idea of what's actually going on with your gutters and with your downpipes. But certainly make sure from a visual point of view, you are checking your gutters and your downpipes. And of course, you can do that at any time on any sort of day in any weather. Number four, the fourth thing to check when you're doing your external checks. Check the condition of the external timbers, including the fascia boarding. This is one of those things, it can gradually rot. We don't pay it much attention. We just sort of put it to the back of our mind because it's not something that our tenants are necessarily looking at. But actually, rotten fascia boarding, that could become a problem, come away from the wall, it can pull the guttering down with it, and it can let water in behind it. Number five. Check the condition of the pointing, the render, the masonry, and not just of the property itself, but check for boundary walls as well. I've seen boundary walls get neglected over years, and all of a sudden you look at them and they are incredibly dangerous. There's lots of loose bricks. Some of these outhouses, we've certainly got a lot of these in Sheffield. But make sure you are looking at the condition of walls as well. This can be one of those areas where certainly in bad weather and windy, wet weather, water can just get driven back up through the wall, through any kind of cracks in the pointing, and that can become an issue. And of course, as soon as you've got cracks in the render, as soon as you've got cracks in the pointing, that cold weather gets in, that freeze-thaw effect starts to have an impact, and very quickly it gets much, much worse. It's almost exponential. Number six, then. Check the condition of the windows and doors. So we're going to check this from the inside as well, but just check from the outside. Can you see any issues? And finally, number seven, check the drains. Again, this is one of those things that it is better and easier to really assess the condition of the drains in wet weather. Make sure the drains aren't backing up. Can you see any debris around the drains? Evidence that the drains have been backing up. Do the drains smell? You know, those sorts of things. Drain problems, backing up drains, this can be a huge issue. I've had this internally and externally. You don't want either because they can be very, very expensive and, of course, very, very messy problems. So those are some of the external issues. Look, it's not an exhaustive list. You might still want to check, you know, whether the floodlights are working. You might want to check the condition of the garden. But there are important checks and so often we forget. We walk straight into the house and we focus on what's happening inside. And a lot of us mostly focus on what the tenants are doing. And that isn't what we should be doing on health checks. Let's look at some of the internal checks we should be doing then. First and foremost, and I've got seven things for you again. First and foremost, the general cleanliness. What is the general standard of cleanliness in that house? You usually get a good indication as to how your house, how this property is going to be treated, depending on the status of the general cleanliness. You might have cleaners, you might not, but are tenants washing the pots? Are they leaving washing out? Are they leaving food on the worktops? These sorts of things are all very, very important. If you get mice or pests, this is often as a result of food being left on the floor, tenants not sweeping up, things being left on the side. So it's really important. And if you are finding that the cleanliness, the general standard of cleanliness isn't quite up to scratch, make sure you're feeding this back to your tenants. Number two, check the windows and doors. I'm not just suggesting you check visually, actually test them. Are the locking mechanisms work? Are the hinges working? Do the hinges need oiling at all? Are any of the handles loose? Loose handles are one of those things that tenants often won't tell you about. One day they'll pull it and it'll just snap. And all of a sudden you've got to buy a new handle. You've got to go down to the shop to get it. You've got to fix it and it can be a little bit faffy. Number three, check for damp internally. So 
You could do a visual check, but my suggestion would be to get yourself a damp meter. This is one of those things that's actually quite useful just to have in your toolkit. Just check the general condition of the walls. It'll give you some feedback very, very quickly. And it can be so valuable actually spotting and identifying potential damp before it really does become an issue, before it kind of gets a grip and starts to push salts through the wall, starts to push off the paint, really starts to cause damage and starts to smell. Number four, check the sealant around the baths and the sinks and the worktop. Are there any cracks or gaps in it at all? Are there any issues, any areas where water could be escaping from? Is mould building up? Once mould starts to build up on sealants, it can be very difficult to clean it up. Again, just give that feedback to tenants if you are seeing that. Make sure they're using the right products like a Dettol bleach anti-mould spray in the bathrooms in the wet areas. Number five, check all of the water outlets and the inlets, including the waste traps. This is so, so important. 99% of the time, any issues we have with water in our houses or leaks, they will come from those sort of water inlet or outlet sources or the waste traps. Just going in and seeing what is happening can help prevent that expensive issue, that call out of hours to say the shower's flooded. And the shower has flooded, but it's because the shower's backed up because the tenants haven't bothered to clear out the waste traps. Is there a slow drip, you know, just on the back of a tap or an isolator valve? These little things can become much, much more serious. You know, just put your hands up. Can you feel anything wet? Can you see evidence of anything dripping on the floor? These are the things that can often be so small and slight. Your tenants either won't see or won't bother to tell you even if they do see them. Have that keen eye. Make sure you're looking for this sort of stuff. And I promise you'll save yourself a lot of time and a lot of pain and a lot of heartache over the long term. Number six, check the condition of a basement if you've got it. I'm ashamed to admit this, that over the years we've had basements and we've not gone down and inspected them regularly enough and actually we've found them underwater. We found that there's been a leak either with a stop tap, we found that the pump has stopped working, you know, we've had it tanked and it's underwater or it's under a layer of silt and that's a very expensive and really, really frustrating problem and it's actually quite a messy problem as well. So don't, even though it's not one of the spaces we like to go and check out and often because the tenants aren't living there, we often don't feel the need, but just go down there, just do a quick visual check. Is everything okay? If it is, great. Finally, number seven, just check the condition of the furniture. What I'm usually looking for is anything that's loose, headboards that are loose, chair legs that are loose, those sorts of things. Because if they loosen, tenants often don't tell us, and then all of a sudden it breaks, it snaps, it fails, and all of a sudden we're looking at a much more expensive repair and something that's going to take much more time. Usually a quick Allen key, screwdriver, whatever it is, that'll solve any issue with a bit of bit of loose furniture. You know, one of the really frustrating things is when a piece of furniture becomes loose, a bolt comes away or a screw comes away, it gets lost, and then all of a sudden you actually cannot resecure it and you've got to buy a new piece of furniture because you just cannot find that exact piece that you need. So there we are. There are seven internal checks that you can do. But look, just going back to that general cleanliness, I am looking at the general behaviour of tenants here as well. I am looking for those signs that tenants are looking after the property. Now, are they keeping it clean? Are they hoovering the floors? Are they wiping condensation away? Are they laying black spot mould form in their bedrooms, those sorts of things as well under that broad umbrella of general cleanliness. Really, really important. And make sure, again, you are picking your tenants up and you are feeding back on anything that you do find. Let's move on to some general checks then. These are a bit more pertinent to us as HMO investors. You wouldn't necessarily find your typical buy-to-let landlord doing this. You wouldn't find your typical agent checking on this sort of stuff as well then. So I've got another seven points here for you. 
Here goes. Number one, are the manager's details and the emergency details present and on the notice board? That's where we put them. That's absolutely where I would suggest you put them. It's actually part of your license condition to make sure that your manager's details are on there. But do tenants know what to do in the event of a fire, in the event of a leak, in the event of an electricity issue, in the event they can smell gas? These are really important. And it's much, much easier and much safer to be thinking about this before it actually happens to make sure your tenants actually know. On several occasions, our tenants have had a gas leak and they've had to call Transco. Without us putting that information on the board and giving them Transco's number, they wouldn't necessarily have known what to do. It's really, really important. Number two, quick check of the fire detection system and the emergency light. So every single month we go in and we're actually doing a test on the fire detection system. We're recording that. So our form actually doubles up as a logbook. We're actually doing a visual inspection on any emergency lights as well. as that little green light on. Can we see? Can we see that that emergency light is in working order? If so, great. Number three, fire blankets. Is the fire blanket present in the kitchen and where it should be? Not sure why, but tenants seem to have a bit of a thing for moving fire blankets just sort of out of sight. Often we go, can't see it, and then lo and behold, they end up shoved to the back of the cupboard. And the problem with that is when someone needs it, they have no idea where it is. So just a quick check is it present? If it isn't, make sure it's there. If it's gone missing, just make sure you get another one back and put it exactly where it needs to be. Number four, what I mentioned earlier, but is the fire escape clear? This is really, really important. And you do have an obligation you know, when you're doing your health checks to make sure from a health and safety and from a fire safety point of view, you're covering bases. This is one of the things that tenants often disregard. They leave recycling in the hallways, don't they? They leave bicycles in the hallway. They leave, leave suitcases and luggage in the hallways. It's really important that you feed this back and get it moved. It's really important that those fire escape routes do stay clear. Number five, do a visual pat inspection and electrical sort of safety test. So what I'm saying here is you don't necessarily need to go and do pat tests, but do a visual inspection of your portable appliance tests. Do things like the microwave does it look okay to have the you know the wiring at the back that any lamps that you've got or lights that you've provided these things that plug in do they all look okay what about your sockets and your switches do they all look okay have any cracked have anything any come away from the wall or any not working these things again really really important the ICRs we obviously don't have to do other than once every five years but if you read your T's and C's and if you really read into the legislation you should be doing these sorts of checks every time new tenants move in. So it is important. Don't don't ignore this stuff. It doesn't take long to do. And actually, if you find an issue, give it to your electrician straight away or sort of remove the appliance and just replace it. Number six, is there a carbon monoxide detector present? Similar to the fire blankets. It's one of those things that we often find tenants like pull off the wall and just move somewhere else. I don't know why. Maybe it's sometimes when the batteries are low and it starts to beep and they sort of hide it in a cupboard. Just make sure that when you're going, you're checking that it's there, that it's present and that it is working more important than anything else. If it isn't, and we actually have this as a mandatory piece on our health check form, if there isn't one present, it says, no, but I will find and replace one within 24 hours. So within 24 hours, we're getting another one up in that house. And finally, number seven, Check your boiler pressure. This is one of those things that our tenants will so rarely do. Most of them just won't have a clue. Because of the nature of our tenants, they tend to be quite young, quite inexperienced, haven't spent that much time living in a house. They just don't know to check the boiler pressure. Check it. Is it okay? Does it need topping up? If it needs topping up, make sure you do. We actually, again, make this a mandatory form. If the boiler pressure is low, it says low, 
but I've topped it up and I asked my team to make sure that they do that. I would say that we're probably topping the boiler pressure up in about 25% of our properties just sort of before we go into winter. So it's really important. And it can be a really expensive mistake not to do this. It can be First of all, your heating won't work if the boiler pressure is too low. But secondly, it can be really, really damaging to your boiler. And that could be a very, very expensive mistake. And no one wants to call that, particularly when you have that that cold snap when you just can't get hold of any gas engineers because they're so busy at call out. So there we go. Seven health checks to do externally, seven health checks to do internally, and seven general health checks to do because you're a HMO landlord. Look, like I said, this isn't an exhaustive list. There are more things that you should consider, but that's a good sort of framework. That's a good skeleton of what you should be doing. Try and do it every single month. If you can't, don't worry. Make sure as an absolute minimum, you are doing it every quarter though. And I promise you, once you get into the routine of this, Your tenants will appreciate it. Your property will appreciate it. You'll spend a lot less money and you will spend a lot less time over the long run actually keeping it on top of your property. This, I guarantee you, means that you'll be able to make your business much more profitable. That's it for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like I said, don't forget that we are going to turn this into a downloadable resource. So keep an eye out for the HMO Roadmap soon. We will be bringing it to the Roadmap so you can actually go and download template that you can actually just use in your own business. But of course, if you want everything else that the roadmap has got to offer to help you scale up your property business, head on over there now, get yourself signed up as a member and enjoy all the benefits we've got, including the dozens of fantastic case studies, the deal stacker. We've got all the incredible videos and lessons for you to learn. And we've got so much more. Don't forget that I'm on hand over in the HMO community. So if you've got any questions about today's episode, come on over. Ask them. It's a great place to find guidance and support, not just from me, but from our 5,000 plus community members now. And of course, guys, before you dash off, please, if you've got 30 seconds to leave a really quick review of the show, please, please do. It means so much. I know I ask you every single week, but it really does help us, helps us continue to bring great guests onto the show. And it helps continue to spread the message about what we're doing in the HMO industry and shine a light on the great things that you in our community are doing. That's it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget that I'll be right back here in the very same place next week. So please join me then for another installment of the HMO podcast. (laughs) 